0: Amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. Oh, come on. It feels good in the house of God this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good to be here with you this morning. The Lord bless you. If you have your Bibles, the book of Luke, chapter 23. And as you're turning there, I want to give honor to Brother Townley, love and appreciate him and his spirit. Uh, just uh, always had uh, a very good feeling about uh, Brother Townley since I first met him, and I'm sure that the people here uh, in Jennings, Amen, are, are great people as well, Amen. How many people are going to help me preach? Amen. Um, I I'm a little a uh, uh, little surprised as to what I feel to preach this morning. And I'm not sure that, uh, uh, I'm not sure how much of a uh, uh, mass appeal this might have. But, um, you know, Jesus said that uh, the good shepherd leaves the 99 uh, to go after the one. And so I feel like this morning God might be chasing someone. And so uh, uh, we're going to let God do his thing. And then, uh, is there service tonight? Yes. So we'll come back tonight, and we'll let God do his thing again. Amen. Uh, but this morning, let's, uh, let's let God speak to us. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 23, verse number 46, very familiar passage of scripture. It says, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit, or I entrust my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And I want to preach to you just for a few moments this morning on this very simple thought, putting pain in its proper place, putting pain in its proper place. Shall we pray? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. Lord, I pray that that power and that anointing would now be transferred to us. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments, you would speak through me as the oracles of the Lord and minister grace unto the hearer. God, I believe that you're able to heal, to deliver and set free by the time this service is over. I pray now for a healing touch of your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus one more good hand clap of praise before we're seated. And shout in Jesus' name. Give your neighbor a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. As we read through our New Testament, there's a great number of questions that begin to arise. But one thing that we never need to question when we read our New Testament is whether or not Jesus was human as we are. Jesus was not half man and half God. Jesus was all man and all God. Now, what this means is that during his time on earth, he participated in the full spectrum of human feelings and conditions that you and I deal with. 1 Corinthians 15 and 39 says, There is one kind of flesh of men. When you are human, you are human. John 1 and 14 tells us that the word became flesh. That means human flesh. Physically and emotionally, Jesus was just like you and me. Physically, Jesus was like us. Luke 2 and 7 says, Jesus was born. Luke 2, 40 through 52 says Jesus grew up. John 4 and 6 says Jesus became tired. John 19, 21 says Jesus was thirsty. Matthew 4 and 2 says Jesus was hungry. Matthew 4 and 11 says Jesus was physically weak. And as we just read in Luke, Jesus died. God didn't die. The man died. Emotionally or cognitively, Mentally, Jesus was just as we are. Matthew 8 and 10 says, Jesus marveled, which is just good old King James English for he was astonished and surprised. Matthew 26, 38 says, that his soul was very sorrowful, even unto death. That means Jesus experienced disappointment, grief. John eleven thirty three 33 through 35 says that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit And greatly troubled and wept. God did not pick and choose which parts of being human he was going to experience. He experienced the whole condition. But perhaps one of the most interesting parts of being human that God accepted was pain. I'm convinced that had God taken on everything except pain, our relationship to him would be incomplete in some way. Jesus suffered pain. Not so that you and I would not have to, but that you and I would not have to suffer it alone. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to be very frank and honest with you. I am thankful that God experienced pain because it lets me know that I'm never alone in my pain. Amen. Um, pain is one of those very horrible things. And when I speak of pain here today, uh, I want you to know that I'm speaking of it in its most broadest context. Uh, Pain is one of those horrible things that can genuinely isolate us. I don't care whether we're talking about physical pain, emotional pain, financial pains, whatever it is, at some point in the process of pain, you will feel totally alone. It does not matter whether the person sitting next to you feels or has experienced what you have. You are going through it by yourself. Um, there, there will come a point where pain can even physically and, and uh, uh, isolate you. Uh, whether we're talking, you could just have a flu and eventually you are going to end up in your bedroom by yourself. Amen. And you're going to have to go through that uh, uh, in, in some sense all by yourself. But because we have a God that did go through it, we can always lift our hands. We can always lift our voice and say, Lord Jesus, and he will be there with us. uh, And he will experience and he will go through it with us. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I can guarantee you that if we were God, uh, thank God we are not. But had we been God and we chose to manifest ourselves in flesh, we probably would have taken on just about everything except pain. But God did not do that. Now, when we talk about pain, uh, it's important to understand that pain is complicated. And there's a lot of complications besides the pain itself. There's not just one kind of pain. Uh, Pain comes in species. Amen. Amen. Uh, there are pains that are localized, and then there are pains that are invasive. Um, and that's just really two kinds of pains. And we'll, for, for the sake of simplicity, we'll keep it there. But what I mean by localized and invasive pains is that there are, there are for example, uh, localized pains are pains that that will stay in their place. Uh, I might have a pain in my finger and it stays right there. Um, That's localized pain. Uh, Or I could just be uh, grieving the death of my mother, uh, and that's all I'm sad about. That's a localized pain. But then there are also invasive pains, and those are pains that spread. That's the kind of pain you get in your neck, and then it goes into your shoulders. And then before you know it, your knees are bugging you, and your back is bugging you. Uh, Unfortunately, um, I do have some bad news this morning. As human beings, we will experience invasive pain more than we will localized pain. The majority of the pains that you and I will go through will be pains that move. And uh, let me say this before uh, I get any deeper into this. Um, We know now, and perhaps we've always known this on some level, that pain... uh, not only moves from body part to body part, but it can move from the body to the emotions to the mind. So I can have, uh, uh, I, can, I can injure my back on the job. And that's one kind of pain. And uh, that, that pain will move to my shoulders and then to my knees. And then all of a sudden I can't go to work. And that causes emotional pain. And something that just started now in my back is now spreading into my life. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm suffering, suffering emotional pain because I can't pay my bills. Amen. Amen. Neither I'm preaching really good or really bad. One of the two. Amen. Hallelujah. Do we have any humans in the house this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, now, we also know that the reverse is true. You can have... Uh, deep emotional pains, and they will become physical. Yes, uh, I know uh, people that perhaps are dismissive about how much they worry, but I personally know what it is to go to bed worrying all night, and when you wake up, you you can physically feel it. You got a pit in your stomach, and and I know what it is personally to stress out so bad that your blood pressure starts going through the roof, and uh, you start getting headaches and you get dehydrated and, and uh, you're, you're, you're just, we know scientifically that the stress that you, you can suffer or the pain you can suffer emotionally will change the hormones in your body, which will change everything else. And before you know it, something that just began as a little worry is now spreading throughout your body. Amen. Can, can I get an Amen. Pain is complicated. Pain is very complicated, and that—that is just the beginning. That is just the tip of the iceberg when we talk about pain. You know, uh, I'm gonna just hit the pause button here for one second. Um, I know when God tells me to preach something, and um, you would think, like, you know, why is He preaching this? Uh, Is this really necessary? I believe this is absolutely necessary. Uh, I believe more than anybody, Americans uh, do not know how to manage pain. Uh, We do not know how to deal with pain. Uh, We consume uh, more than 80% of the world's opiates. Uh, That means painkillers. Americans, more than any other people, consume painkillers. There are no doubt people here this morning uh, that uh, perhaps even by a doctor's prescription are taking painkillers. Um, there is perhaps even a sadder story here, and that is that there are people still taking the painkillers uh, and they don't have any more pain. Um, uh, not, and that's, now we're just talking about legalized pain medication. We're not talking about all the self-medicating we do as Americans. Uh, I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of all the people in the United States perhaps even some here this morning that have uh, that treat their pain uh, through other forms rather than medicinal. Uh, they might drink their pain away. Uh, they might smoke their pain away. They might drug their pain away. Uh, and then there are people that manage their pain uh, in, in other ways. Some people uh, uh, promiscuously try to deal with pain. Uh, that is to say, and while well, the kids are in Sunday school, Uh, but there are people who will have multiple sexual relationships with multiple partners, uh, all in a hope, amen, to somehow cover up the pain that they're going through inside. And I'm not trying to preach pop psychology here to you this morning, but I am trying to talk to somebody because if we are not careful, the way we manage our pain will destroy us. Can you say amen? If we are not careful amen, a little back pain that leads to some emotional distress, amen, before we know it, we are in a trial that we never would have imagined, and uh, I preach in enough churches around the United States and abroad, amen, to tell you that I know of more than one good church person, amen, who is struggling with this, that cannot deal with with the pain. But I want you to know this morning, there is a God that wants to pull you out. There is a God that wants to help you out of this situation. Oh, let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. In fact... One of the most complicated things about pain is what are you going to do with it? Now that you have it, what are you going to do with it? Or what we call pain management. Now, Jesus had to manage pain. And he had to manage it in a way that was... You know, the Bible says that Jesus was like us, yet without sin. And so what that means is that Jesus had to deal with his pain and manage it in a way that was not sinful. Uh, You know, Jesus couldn't be in the woodshop hammering away, hit his thumb and cuss. (laughs) Uh, That's not acceptable. Uh, He had to deal with pain in such... And furthermore, he had to deal with pain as a human, not as God. God can just, you know, snap it away. But he had to be a model for us, a perfect role model. Uh, And so what that means is that when Jesus felt pain, he had to deal with it in a way that you and I could deal with it as well. And this is why you see times where Jesus even refuses to deal with pain in any kind of way that he would utilize his omnipotence. For example, he refuses to be delivered by angels. Uh, He's going to take life on. He's going to take it on as a human being because Jesus knew that there would be saints of God sitting in this church this morning that would have to look to him and say, Lord, how did you go through this? Help me to go through this. Lord, how did you deal with this? Help me to deal with this. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's lift our hands and pray just for a few seconds. Oh, Hallelujah. Oh Jesus
1: Oh hallelujah,
0: hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Oh hallelujah, hallelujah For about five seconds I want us to give God a good hand praise right now Let's just worship the Lord Let's worship the Lord Come on, let's worship the Lord He Oh come on, let's magnify him right now. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh Jesus, Jesus. Oh Jesus. And
1: and and I
0: I don't know. I, I don't feel like preaching very hard this morning. I I but I do feel like like trying to reason with somebody. Uh you know, if, if we're not careful, a trial that should only be six months will last six years. If we're not careful, a simple visit to the doctor that should have ended with just a little bit of treatment will turn into some long deal. And you know the thing about pain is not only does it get from the body to the emotions and vice versa. Pain will get on all kinds of stuff. Pain will get on money. Pain will get on the mortgage payments. Pain'll get on the vehicles and pain'll get on the house and pain'll get on the kids and pain'll get in the marriage and pain will begin to it'll begin to diversify its effects until it's getting on on all kinds of stuff and and before you know it now your kids feel uncomfortable with you because when you're going through your deal you can't even talk to the kids and you're so tangled up in your mind so knotted up in your emotions so hurting in your own body that your own family now doesn't even want to be around you because you become unmanageable or, or, or you're, you're 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 disconnected and your wife's telling you honey the kids are trying to talk to you. You, 't can't you, can't you just play with them for a second and, and you just want to zone out and go into your own little world and and your husband doesn't know what to do anymore because you locked yourself in the room and Very good. Very good. I'm preaching better than you think, and I know I'm talking in English. I know a few other languages, but I speak it in English this morning, hallelujah and And this is not amen I, I was born at night, not last night, so uh, amen. But, but, but let me say this, if we are not careful, we, if we do not manage our pain correctly, amen, something that should have been just done away with rather quickly will now elongate itself. Yeah. It'll, it'll draw out, and, and, and it'll, it'll get more and more and more complicated, and, and, and it'll get into more and more stuff, and it'll get into things that it should have never even got into. Without a doubt, without a doubt, the most painful thing Jesus ever went through was Calvary, both emotionally and physically. You know, most of us have to live with people uh, betraying us. Jesus had to die with people betraying him. It's one thing, you know, to have... Friends and even fake friends throughout your life. That's one thing. But it's worse when, when right before you're about to die, all of a sudden people start turning on you. And, and Jesus, by and large, died by himself. Uh, I know people that are not afraid of dying, but they are afraid of dying by themselves. Uh, I know people that their, their biggest nightmare is not that they have to cross over to the other side, but that when they do... They're going to be in that hospital room all by themselves. No kids, no family, no grandchildren. Just them and that sterile room. And that's a scary thought. And Jesus had to go through both of those things. Not only did he have to die having been betrayed by all his disciples and even by Judas. Not only did he have to die all by himself on a cross. He had to die shamed. Beaten bruised, bloodied. I mean, thats he was just as suspended. He was just as stretched out emotionally as he was physically. Physically, we know that a crucifixion is horrendous. It's hideous. Uh, and, and I won't even go into it, but, but a crucifixion physically is just, it's, it's nothing short of morbid and horrible. But in that moment, of excruciating emotional and physical pain, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. There came a point in the pain where Jesus said, I cannot deal with this as a man. This is now out of my hands. This is now beyond my human control and I'm handing everything over to the power and the grace of the spirit that lives within me. I'm giving it all over to the power that lives inside of me. Amen. I came to preach to somebody this morning. There comes a point in all of your pain where it's not time to ask the pastor if you could talk again in the office. It's not time, amen, to tell all your friends about it. It's not time to wait till church is over. To catch somebody in the lobby and tell them how horrible of a Sunday you're having. There comes a point in your pain, amen, where you have all the doctor's prescriptions you can have. You have all the diagnoses you can get. And you're just going to have to go to God with the rest of it. You're going to have to let God know, I cannot deal with this anymore. It's beyond my control. It's beyond the doctor's prescriptions. It's beyond the diagnosis. God, I need you to handle this. I need you to take this out of my hands. I need you to help me before I fall into a pit of depression. I need you to help me before I drug my life away. I need you to help me before I drink my life away. I need you to help me before I smoke my life away. I need you to help me before I have three more children from three different more men. I need you to help me before I lose my mind. I need... Oh, come on, God's talking to somebody right now. We need to magnify Jesus. Oh, Oh, come on, Jennings, Let's magnify the Lord right now. Oh, I'm telling you, God's talking to somebody more than you might think.
1: Come on, I need the church's help.
0: Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I'm not trying to drag this out. I got better things to do than keep you here one minute longer than you need to be here. But I'm telling you right now that there are people that have walked into this service, and God wants to heal them, and God wants to...
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
0: Jesus. You know, let me say this uh, before I go any further, because I'll tell you what's already happening right now. There are people here that you are already receiving what I have to say, but you know what? There are other people here you are trying to hide from what I have to say. There are people here you are dismissing what I have to say. There are people here you want to write off what I have to say. You're going to try to sneak out from this service. And you know what? That's fine. That's your prerogative. In fact, God will even let you do that. But I also want you to know that if God sent this chubby preacher with the word for you, amen, you ought to receive it. You ought to feel graced by the fact that God would stop a whole service, amen, just to talk to you. You ought to to thank God that he's answering that prayer you prayed in your truck when you were pounding the steering wheel saying God help me to get out of this. I want this trial to end already. You ought to thank God, amen, that he sent me with the word. Amen, that day that you looked at that unemployment check and you thought how am I going to live off this? Oh Jesus,
1: Jesus, come on. Oh, Jesus.
0: You know... Listen, I, 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 Jesus said to feed the sheep, not beat the sheep. I, I'm not here to beat anybody. And I'm not even here to, to, to somehow project some kind of overt aggression. But I do want you to know something. I am I, going to get aggressive only because the spirit that's got a hold of you is much more aggressive. And, and even right now as I'm preaching, I, I know how the devil works. I, I've not always been a saint. I remember coming into the church a drug addict and suicidal and depressed. And, and the devil will work on you. And, and well, there's saints that think like this. But the devil will work on you and be like, look at him. Why is he yelling like that? And why is he got to keep walking back here? And, and, and Well, I'll tell you why. If you sat a little closer, I wouldn't come all the way back here. But, uh, uh, but he'll tell you, why is he coming back here? And, and why, is he, why, is he, why is he doing this? And, 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 and he needs to keep it down. And I wish the sound man would turn it down and, and this is just a little too much and and, uh, and 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 I don't even think he preaches that good and and man I just man I can't wait until these 2 weeks are over and, and 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 you know what that is a spirit from the belly of hell and you need to tell that thing you know what get off me get off me get off me leave me alone I'm coming out of these shadows I'm coming out of this addiction I'm coming out of this brokenness. I'm not going to lock myself in my room one more day. Oh, Jesus. You'd be shocked how some people deal with pain. I know men. Brother, they will work double, triple, quadruple overtime. Don't go get a second job. You know how God wants us to deal with pain. He wants it. He wants us to take it to Him. Yeah, good. Good. Yes, I'm not going to preach much longer because uh, I'm not going to. You know why I'm not going to preach much longer. I will tell you why. Because God, God wants first fruits. God wants the the first drop of oil from the pressed olive. God, you know that first drop of oil from the pressed olive? It's the one that you get by not squeezing it so hard. That's what God wants. God said, don't be like the horse that needs the bit in its mouth. Here's what the scripture says. Speaking of Jesus. It says that he shall not cry in the streets. That's making reference to a street vendor. You know what Jesus is not going to do this morning? got a real, come on you know what there are enough people here you've been living for god long enough you have enough experiences that you can draw from that you know jesus is the best thing going in your life you know since you were a new convert that god is a healer that god is a deliverer but somewhere time time and circumstance has taken that away from you says? Says he will not, says not only will he not cry in the streets, you know what else he won't do? He will not break a bruised reed. You know what that means? If you're bruised, he won't break you. There are a lot of people that never take it to the Lord in prayer because they're afraid that he's going to break them after they've been bruised. Hey, that's not what the Bible says he'll do. The Bible says that if you've been bruised, if you've been wounded. You know what Jesus said? That he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Amen. Listen, listen here. Listen what he says. He said to preach liberty to them that are bruised. Notice that he did not say to preach liberty to them that are captive because sometimes the bruise is the bond. Sometimes the bruise is the cage and the chain. because when we're bruised, we don't want to get touched. When we're bruised, we avoid any kind of, of, of contact. When we're bruised, we cover things up. When we're bruised, we hide things. And Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel and to liberate people from their bruises You know, I've been bruised. I've been bruised. I've been bruised as a sinner, and I've been bruised by church folk. And if you've never been bruised by church folk, just stick around. We'll get you. We're coming for you. There are people here anointed to bruise others, it is their gift. I tell you what, what I refuse to let anybody take away from me is my access to God. I am not going to let anyone or anything take away my access to God. If the altar's clear, I'm running for it. If if the if the prayer room's open, I'm going for it. If there's a church service, I'm gonna be a part of it. I'm gonna participate. I'm gonna get engaged, and I'm gonna get my healing. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus here. Oh, come on, I believe that as we're clapping, There are people that will be healed physically, emotionally, mentally. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you're bruised, don't be afraid. He's not going to break you. He's not going to break you. He knows how to handle you with care. He knows how to handle you with love. it says? It says he will not quench smoking flax. Yes, sir. Amen. What that's talking about is a candle that's going out. It's smoking. The fire's dwindling and now there's more smoke than fire and the Bible says he will not quench smoking flax. That means that if you've lost your fire he's not going to come and blow it out. See, see, you know what? You know what we do as church people. Sometimes we see somebody's fire going out, and we just, we just blow them out. Well, it right, right, right. we just got quiet in here. Reach hallelujah. Up, up. Am I preaching in English, still? Hallelujah. Hey, I got news for you. Amen. The same, the same breath that can blow a fire out can also stoke it. And and while and, and while maybe people in life are trying to blow your fire out, oh, and yeah. Jesus sees your fire drilling, he's gonna blow on it, amen, so that he can build it up, not blow it out. Hey. I'm not I'm not proud about this, but I want to be honest with you. There have been many services I've come in, amen, smoking. There's been a lot of times I've come in with my fire going out. There's been a lot of times I've even got behind the pulpit, amen, and not been operating at my optimal emotionally, amen. But I'm telling you, I've never, ever, ever, ever gone to God with my pain, with my request, with my petition, amen, with my supplication and had him put my fire out. Quite the opposite. There's been a lot of times I thought to myself I don't think I could get any more broken than this. I don't think I could get any more indifferent than this. I don't think I could get any colder than this and after a red hot prayer meeting I walk out thinking I can do this. I can make it through this. I can survive this. I can get up
1: Come on, come on.
0: Come on, he said, Come on, I, I need your help for about five seconds. Oh, hallelujah!
1: He said, Jesus, Jesus, the road, the the
0: You know when Jesus died he had options. He had options. They offered him gall mixed with vinegar which was a kind of a drug. Come on. He could have taken that. He could have said, "You know what? We just need to drink this away." He said, "No." You know, the the the, the soldier at the cross said surely this is the Son of God. The same man that drove the stakes through his hand, you know, had that been me and, and the earth shook and the sky turned black, I'd do whatever that man said. If not out of fear, out of superstition. But brother, when Jesus died there was earthquakes, there was trembling, there was lightning. He could have told that man, You better get me down from here. That man would have done it. Yes. But sometimes, amen, you can't even put your pain in people's hands. That's right. No matter how well they mean, so right. there are times that human hands can't do it. Yes. Right. That's right. You know, there are people that are waiting until I'm done preaching to go stand out there and wait for somebody to ask them, How are you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> totally dismissing everything I'm saying right now. All right. And the sad part is not that you're missing out on good preaching. The sad part is that you're missing out on a touch from God. Yeah. Hey, in case you didn't get the memo this morning, we are Pentecostal. We are apostolic. We believe that God literally moves in the life of human beings. We believe. We believe that he is alive. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. is not this is not well you know there are times when no matter how well we mean we cannot help people because uh, if we're not careful we will hurt people rather than help them you know they tell you if you ever see a car accident you know be careful how you handle those people because you can move somebody thinking you're dragging them out of a wreck. And you could paralyze them. And the same thing goes spiritually. There are times where no matter how much somebody wants to unload their problems on you, with no matter how much somebody wants to lean on you, you have to let them go through it with God. I know people think that's mean. I, I'm not sure how we interpret. I'm going to let you, amen, I'm going to put you in the hands of God as a mean thing. Yeah. Come on. So good. So good. You know, the only way some of us as parents are ever going to get our kids to do something is to quit doing it for them. That's right.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's right. Well, just, amen. Just turned to the public library here. <laughs> a few minutes. Hallelujah. Library's closed on Sunday. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, let me say this. My, uh, my, uh my in-laws are very wealthy this i hope this doesn't go on the internet uh my in-laws are very wealthy um they have a lot of money uh i married their daughter and uh, uh there was a time where we were very broke i mean we were we were so poor we couldn't spend the night i mean it was, it was bad and uh <laughs> That was a good joke. but. <laughs> and uh, it was very tempting to want to ask my in-laws for money. And they'll give it to me. Um, my mother-in-law is a saint of God. She prays. She fills pews up with visitors. Uh, on any given day, you can walk into her almost million-dollar home, and she might have a totally homeless person sitting there feeding them I mean she's that kind of a person she just everything she has is God's and her house her Mercedes she picks people up she drops them off she loads kids in her car she just everything she gets is from God and it's for God and, uh, and I could have asked her. She, there's been plenty of times she's helped us financially and she'll tell us, I'm not helping you because you are my kids. I'm helping you because I want to support the ministry. I want to be a blessing to the house of God. She, 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 has just, she loves God like that. She loves the ministry like that. And uh, when me and my wife were going through it, there were times where it was very tempting, amen, to want to ask for help. But, but we knew. We knew that there came a point in our trial and in our circumstance that, amen, we could not hand it over, amen. You know, Jesus, amen, could have... Uh, sitting there on the cross. He could have asked Mary, his mother, and all the women surrounding him, hey, help me get down from here. Uh, uh, well, you know, do something. Amen. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to ask for help this time. This has got to go into the hands of God. And and, and I'm preaching to young couples right now. Uh, I don't care how broke you are. I don't care how much you're struggling. There just comes a point in all of it where you've got to determine God is going to be our God. God is going to provide our Meal, he's gonna help us pay this mortgage, he's gonna help us make this car payment, and we're gonna go through this. Oh, come on! Oh, come on! Oh, come on! There's, there's mothers that worry and I understand I'm not a mother but I can, I can sympathize you know let me tell you something nobody's gonna die of hunger here and I don't know who I'm preaching to but you know what brother when you got married you got married to that girl not, it's time to cut the umbilical cord it got quiet It's time to quit telling your wife how your mama makes your potatoes. I don't care if your wife rises up a burnt offering every morning for breakfast. That is not a good reason to go back home, to cry to your mama, to go have breakfast at your mom's house. You need to sit there and eat that burnt offering and praise God. Well, let's get, what? And if your daughter comes home, after a little spat with her husband, you need to send her back home. Yes. That's right. You know, listen, I am not your pastor. You have a wonderful pastor. And I have a rule when I evangelize. I do not preach pastorially, And I'm not trying to pastor nobody here. This is, I, and, and contrary to what you might think, I'm not trying to pastor you. I'm not trying or pester you. I'm not pastoring or pestering. I am meddling, but I'm not pastoring or pestering. But I, I, I'm trying to get some young couples here, amen, to have some victory. I'm trying to convince some young people here that he is your God. I'm trying to convince some young people here that you can make it if you will trust the Lord. I, if there's going to be a church here 30 years from now, it's going to be because somebody gets a hold of this message and says, I'm going to take all my pains and all my problems and put them at the hands of Jesus. Ah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Oh, let's magnify the Lord. Come on, let's magnify. As an American, when you go to other countries, I'm almost done, promise. As an American, when you go to other countries, especially if you go like on a cruise, really doesn't actually matter, even on, if you buy flight. You know, they'll tell you right before you get off, especially in countries where people are very poor and they panhandle, they'll tell you, do not give the people money. There's one particular country I'm thinking of right now that they will tell you, do not give the people money because what happens is Americans, we just, we feel bad. We want to help the poor. We want to help the needy. But people pick up on this. And you know, a blind kid gets more money than a seeing kid. And so what you'll have are people that will literally, in order to compete with other begging kids, They will blind, they'll drop acid in their kids' eyes and blind their children. They'll mutilate their kids because a maimed child gets more money than a whole child. And we think, what a horrible way to treat your own child. But what we don't realize is we're part of that problem. And that's why they say, stop feeding it. Because if nobody gets money, nobody gets hurt. All
1: right. Amen.
0: Come on. Same thing happens. There is somebody here, you came in here today thinking, how could everybody have abandoned me? How did I end up all alone? And you don't realize is that God is cutting everything off that is feeding your problem. God is saying, that relationship is over. That's over. That's over. That's over. over. And now, all you got is me. And now that all this is over, let's get started. When you've been cut off, that's not time to despair. That's not time to throw in the towel. I understand the frustration, but guess what? That's actually time for you to put your faith in action. And see, I, I know this might be very simple preaching for, for some of us, but it's good preaching. Listen, there's a man in the fire, but you'll never get to see him unless you go in it. There is a man in the fire, but you'll never see him unless you go in it. And you don't need to, the, the first book of the New Testament is not Matthew, and it's not even Acts. It's James. First New Testament book ever written. And you know how James starts off his salutations? Brethren, count it all joy. Yeah, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith we don't need we don't need to get all bummed out, we don't need to get bitter at God, we don't need to leave the church we don't need to look for excuses to throw in the towel we need to count it all joy because my faith is now being made pure as gold My faith, which is the most precious thing I own. We think our our house is the most precious thing we own. Let me tell you something. A house can never get you faith, but faith can get you a house. Can we just pray for a second? Let's just pray. Oh God. Oh God. Okay. You know, here's the deal. And I know what I'm preaching does not apply to everybody. Maybe not even half of. But can I tell you that God wants full use of his body? Several years ago, I was preaching a revival. I I went to sleep one night. I I always sleep with my hand on my head. So I'm sleeping. I wake up and my hand fell asleep. And uh, this time, I guess I had just overdone it. And I thought, you know, my hand wasn't waking up. and So I just kept shaking it, trying to get the blood flowing. Well, I finally woke up, except my pinky. Everything woke up except my pinky. And I thought, you know, this pinky will eventually wake up. Well, like three hours went by, and it never woke up. I had that like tingly feeling, you know. And I had church that night, and I remember standing on the platform, and I'm thinking, man, this is getting scary now. I'm going to have this like sleeping pinky. And I remember thinking to myself, well, at least I have another one. And then I thought to myself, how silly. I want both my pinkies. I want both my pinkies to work. I don't want just one pinky to work. I want both. Can I tell you that God is the same way? God doesn't just want 90% of his church working. He doesn't, he doesn't want God, whether the 80-20 rule is true, that's not what God wants. God wants everybody at their optimal. God wants the pinkies fixed. God, God. And that's why God will have a service just like this. Where he'll deal with a few pinkies and a few sleeping index fingers and, 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 and he'll, he'll, just, he'll just work with it all because God, God is trying to move us all together. That's the only way we have a genuine harvest. That's the only way we really have a revival moment is when we all move unanimously is when all the pieces shift together. Amen. It doesn't mean that everybody's moving at the same speed. It doesn't mean everybody's moving with the same strength. It just means that everybody is reading the signal sent from the head. It just means that everybody is operative. It just means that everybody's feeling and heart and sensation has come back to them. It just means that everybody's loving Jesus again. Oh, Jesus. Let's stand. Let's stand. Amen. Musicians, let's give the people some hope. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Here's, here's the hardest part of the service. I'm going to make an altar call. And you know what? I, I mean this with the best of intentions. I'm, I, I hope I don't sound crude or brash. What I don't want is like all the good saints to come up and pray. I mean, unless you need it. Because you can be a good saint and need prayer. Worst thing you could do in this earth, worst thing is sit in the view and think to yourself if they go, I'll go. Moments like these are too important. If you know that you are in a desperate situation if you know that you're at the end of your rope if you know that it's time to hand the pain over don't Don't use anybody else as your metric. Don't use anybody else as your measuring rod. Whether they go or not. Don't worry if your kid thinks you're weird for doing it. Don't worry if your spouse thinks you're weird for doing it. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't make up reasons in your mind. Just Go. You know, Brother Townley, when I came to God, I was a drug addict, I was suicidal, I didn't believe in God, I didn't believe in anything. And I remember sitting in a service just like this, and I remember the pastor preaching, "God can deliver you from depression. God can deliver you from suicide." And I remember, I always used to sit way, way in the back. And I remember sitting in the back one day, didn't believe in God, let alone a devil. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I heard a voice loud and clear, audible, slimy and nasty, tell me, God can't do anything for you. It scared me so much that I shot out of my seat and I went running to the front. they laid their hands on me i still didn't even get the holy ghost for 6 months but i'll tell you what happened i slid on my knees i wept bitterly i sobbed i cried and you know what that day that my parents had sent me to therapist they had sent me to psychologist they paid for it they were spending they had sent me to all kinds of stuff to try to pull me out of the hole i was in that day that day crying at an altar That day, not caring what anybody thought about me, that day, crying out to Jesus, I was delivered of suicide. I didn't take a pill. I didn't get one more therapy. Nothing. I cried out to the living God. Jesus walked in a church service. There was a man in the back with a withered hand. Jesus looked at that man. He said, stretch forth your hand. You know what that man should have told Jesus? I can't. That's what I would have told him. If my hand was withered up, I would have said, don't you think if I could have done it, I would have done it? You know what I believe that man did, Brother Townley? He started pushing that withered arm. He started moving those fingers. Whatever part of that arm that worked, whatever part of that hand that was still functioning, he started moving it. He started doing whatever he could on his part. And the minute he started doing what he could do, Jesus did what nobody else could do. for the holy ghost right now
1: oh shatana la la bosanda he tadalada bosada la rabanda la daba sa he tadalada la ria tadalada
0: basa oh jesus you know it's it's so sad it's so sad you know when i was in the world i'd walk I'd walk miles. I'd walk miles to go to a party. I didn't even have a car. I'd get on my bike to go buy drugs. I'd walk. And I remember going to church for months, and the most shameful thing about it is they'd ask me to walk 10 feet. And I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And one day I thought to myself, you know I've walked a whole lot further for a whole lot less. This is not going to hurt me. I'm going to take my withered hand and I'm going to stretch. And I'm going to stretch it. I'm going to. I'm going to do what I can do. And all that I can do right now is stretch my faith and stretch my hope and stretch my will and say, God, help me. And God didn't fail me. I wouldn't be here today if he did. Thank you, Lord. 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 Please. Don't wait for somebody to come tap you on the shoulder and say, let's go pray. Please, don't wait for your husband to to look at you and say, come on, honey. You know, you've been going through this thing. We need to go pray together. Don't do that. Just go. Just go on your own. If, if, If your wife comes with you, great. If she doesn't, great. But just come on your own. Hallelujah. I believe that this morning, not tonight, but this morning, amen, we're going to have mighty deliverance. We're going to have mighty liberating power flow through our souls. Oh, hallelujah. Musicians, let's sing something. Hallelujah. I promise you, if you come up here, I'm going to pray with you. Your pastor's going to lay his hands on you. And this is not just some other Sunday morning. And we're not just trying to hype you up. We want you to know that God is here. Oh, hallelujah. You need the Holy Ghost, you'll get the Holy Ghost.